0: hey mike hey how was the weekend it was good what were you up to um i did a little bit of traveling what yeah right like this is the first time i've been anywhere outside of my apartment for nine months um yeah and i was actually so i flew i um uh i got all bundled up and fancy masks and a face shield and got myself onto an airplane and i am now in maine so i am completely across the country the
1: beautiful state of maine
0: yeah this is where i grew
1: up your home state yep so how was the traveling um in these
0: strange times was the plane full and stuff or yeah so the planes are actually Mm -hmm. full so you know looked at just like a plane you know normally uh and uh in terms of like you know capacity and stuff The airports themselves are ghost Mm -hmm. towns, man. Like they're like tumbleweeds. It was just like, you know, it it felt, it was noticeable how Mm -hmm. different those were, you know, we'll circle back to this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. later on. But I passed through, I'd had a layover in Charlotte, which is uh, Mm -hmm. North Carolina. And that's a state that was heavily contested in the elections um, and just sort of barely went for Trump. You know, when I was hanging on the airport for about 20 minutes there. I saw three people wearing Trump Pence uh, you know shirts. Okay, this was two days ago. So this is Mm -hmm. November fourteenth, a couple weeks after most people have decided that the election has been (laughs) called and over. Mm -hmm. And so you know, just to give you a sense of like how active uh, things still are in different parts. But you remained passive. I, I I stood in the corner socially distanced from everybody. Being a, a devout introvert, um, this is like my time to shine where I just sit in the corner and watch people. Great. And yeah. so you had everything? You had the face shield and obviously mask as well? I would say ninety-nine percent of the people, ninety-nine point nine percent of the people had masks mm-hmm. um uh you know, that were on, fully on it. and then, you know, there was probably well and then there was probably like five percent of us that were wearing face shields. Mm-hmm. There were, some, there were some folks who uh, were, were definitely from Maine. Um, they sort of had the Maine feel, sort of backcountry Maine, uh, who uh, very sort of loudly and proudly would take their masks off and have to be told by other people to put them back on. On the plane? But when they were getting on the plane, that occurred, but also in like the airport and stuff like that when we were getting there. So, you know, it's a very political, I mean, it's just it's it's uh surprisingly still quite political isn't
1: it crazy for a scientist right to that this is actually a political question
0: i know i want to talk i want to just be like hey pick something else to be political about there's no reason to risk your life for this right like you know we're not you know Mm. like i don't you know none of us have like monetary stake in this like Mm. you know there are other things you can do politically Mm. just don't do this don't don't hurt grandma man yeah and and none of us have the superpower right to to battle this thing and Mm. That's right. right. It could, you're it could right. hit anyone. I mean, it's... That's right. It's not about toughness. It's not like, oh, I'm really mm. strong or, you know, I, I'm you know terribly clever. It's... Mm. It's a virus. It'll... Mm. Yeah.
1: So 13 days after, we're recording this on Monday the 16th, Trump still hasn't conceded. Turns out he doesn't
0: do losing. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, he certainly doesn't do it well. Neither does he do anything. Well, um, well he sort of maybe by accident. Do you see this? He maybe by accident did it. <laughs> Yeah, what was it again? Something Confident. on Twitter? What? Yeah, so that's right. So, so he was uh, doing his new normal Twitter thing, and he said something, uh, something like, "He, he, meaning Biden, he won by cheating," hmm. and and everybody's like, "Wait a second! Did you <laughs> Did just you say just he won? made he won? Yeah, he just won, right?" <laughs> so, and, but then he also he's now got a couple tweets, mostly in caps lock, mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's he's yelling about he uh, that he himself Trump won the election so it's very it's not a we're not dealing with like a deeply thought out plan here
1: caps lock might be also given his age might be just by accident you know probably just just put it in like three years ago and then just doesn't know how to dial it back just like all caps just since then, he just keeps yelling at people over email and Twitter and, and everything. Um,
0: <laughs> so we we'll get me a soda. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I was actually thinking because, I mean, still we're kind of a little bit obsessed about it all. And we're like, okay, is he actually going to concede? Yeah. We all know that he kind of won't. And we'll, we'll get to the implications in a second. But actually, I remembered um, in 2005 when uh, Angela Merkel came to power. There was like a minor incident uh, of um, a middle-aged white man not conceding in in Germany, uh, Gerhard Schröder, um, the social democratic chancellor that was there before her um, and then got voted out of the office. And of course, the system here is a bit different. We only vote for members of parliament. So we have this indirect system. And then the parliament, mm. the Bundestag, they actually vote for the chancellor and they have to form coalitions because we usually have or we always had more than two parties in there. Now it's yeah. whatever, five or six, I think. How it works here also is. Um, at six p.m., the polls close, so you can't go vote anymore. And we only have one time zone, right? So it, it's a bit more simple. All mm, right, it's a bit, right, <laughs> bit more simply. Um, and then, sort of in the same minute, the projections, the first projections are published. They must not be mm-hmm. published anytime before. It's sort of a bit mm-hmm. like, like maybe like Smart. the exit polls uh, yep. uh, over in, in the states. They're usually quite accurate. So they <laughs> only. So we basically know the results by, by six p.m. Uh, and they're only going to ch- shift as they start counting the votes. Um, and they also count them quite quickly. Um, oh, stop. Sorry. <laughs> stop showing off. Efficient. No. Anyway, so an hour or so afterwards, um, usually all the major politicians gather um, in what we call the Elefantenrunde. So it's like a oh. public, <laughs> public appearance, the, the round of the elephants. Yes. And there, Schröder was like, um, he just sat down and um, so his party had lost, but they had lost by a smaller margin than all the pollsters had predicted. So he kind of went in there feeling like a winner, although he clearly wasn't. And the norm had always been that the major candidate for the winning party starts talks for coalitions. And he would just sit in there, you know and was basically mansplaining all over the place. (laughs) That word, I don't know if it existed back then. He was like, you will not be elected chancellor, certainly not with the votes of my party and blah, blah, blah. Fun fact, she was in the end, of course, <laughs> voted into office by votes, both by own party and Schröder's party. It was oh. a grand coalition of the CDU, the conservatives, and the social democrats. But yeah, I had to think of that. Um, this was kind of resolved within a few days. No one really took it right. very, very seriously. Um, it was, it's just sort of like a very funny, bizarre footnote in our political history.
0: What about Trump now? Uh, let's follow mm. up a little bit on that. Like, mm. So is it attributed to him like this issue or was it like yeah. so it was a person it is interpreted as a personality it was clearly him um, and there were also, so he was basically called out during
1: that thing, both by the yeah. by the anchors um, and also by the leader of the Liberal Party, um, who basically was like, yeah, I don't know exactly what happened before you stepped on air here, um, but, you know, yeah. dot, dot, dot. And everyone, you know, was like, was it just red wine or what was actually going <laughs> on? Um, so, I mean, he could still articulate himself, but he clearly sure. was, uh, yeah, on
0: on himself at least (laughs) yes i see yeah in some way compromised yeah and
1: Merkel was just sitting there very thin-lipped but then basically was like yeah whatever once we're off the air here i'm just gonna get the deal done
0: and whatever you say yeah Yeah. (laughs) yes exactly so there's there's definitely an element of that for us right now where it's like Mm -hmm. let trump have his tantrum is like sort of a, a talking point for people like he's dealing with his emotions right now. Let him do this; he'll he'll get over it. Mm. Uh, there are more elements going on, but that's that part there. You mm. know, the Biden team is prepping, and all you know, a mm. lot of the machinery of government is getting mm. ready uh, for mm. the, the changeover.
1: Mm. But, so, what yeah. do you make of it? Like, what what is he what is he doing? Is
0: he still? I mean, he must have paid his bills by now. I mean, uh, <laughs> or most of them. I mean, what's what's happening? It's tough, right? I mean, like to crawl inside of that guy's head is a Not difficult, dark, nothing, anyone will want to do in their right mind. (laughs) So I think it's probably something along the lines of like, he really is emotional about this. Like he does not Mm. do well when his brand, his name, you know, is, Mm. is tarnished by losing something. this is Mm. a fair, like, this is a worldwide loss. Mm. Uh, And I I think he was just not prepared for it. I think people on his team were reassuring him. Mm. He had insulated himself from reality to some Mm, degree mm. and so he really did believe he was going to win i I think there's also some stuff here going on about him trying to get more before he leaves so more of what yeah it's not clear to me i think he sees this as a moment uh he's got a couple months where he's going to be still president Mm. i think there is in georgia there's going to be a runoff for two senate positions and this we'll get to this and talking about this a lot more Mm -hmm. detail that's extraordinarily important so if those two senate positions in georgia go for the democrats versus going Mm -hmm. to the republicans uh we will have a very different kind of leadership so there's a moment where for these next two two and a half three months Mm -hmm. where trump has a very big pot of power and he sees two major negotiating points where he can get a lot of leverage for anybody who really cares about the republican party going forward Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so i think his instincts probably are kicking in where he's like i should not just give this up i should you know use this to get more of whatever and and here's where i'll start speculating Mm -hmm. you know i i think he would like to secure you know protection powers for his him and his family Mm -hmm. so you know so it's it's quite possible that he Mm -hmm. will facing some charges based on mm-hmm. some of the tax stuff that we know mm-hmm. uh, now uh, it looks like his family has probably um, both he and his family have been um skirting uh, tax laws both federally and state level tax laws for a while it maybe he's negotiating along those lines using mm-hmm. this i would not be surprised two years five years from now that we learned that trump's team went to mitch mcconnell the leader of the mm-hmm. senate the republican leader of the senate and said hey if you want to keep your chances of winning the Senate seats in Georgia, you're about to do what I tell you to. So they have him in the bag and not the other way around. So it's a complicated, right? Negotiations are mm. very tough, right? Mm. Like if someone has the, the complete power, it's not mm. really a negotiation. Mm. I think he can pull 30% of the Republican Party away from, mm-hmm. if he were just to come out and say, don't vote for the Republicans in Georgia, mm. they're not going to win those yeah, seats. okay. Mm -hmm. so i think he has mitch mcconnell in a tough position there Mm -hmm. but i think he's he's staring down Mm -hmm. he loses that power on january 20th Mm -hmm. and so over the next couple months uh you know this is where he has maximal power to negotiate it abruptly loses so that's the kind of dynamic i think in part is at play here it may just be that he's just super emotional doesn't want to Mm.
1: You're listening to the Americanist Podcast. My name is Johannes Ehrmann in Berlin, Germany, and I'm joined as every week by my dear friend and accomplished scholar, Mike Bayoki. This week, not in Stanford, California, but in gray, Maine. In the Indian summer, a very colorful place. The rest of the year, well, mostly gray. (laughs) We were just talking about um, Trump not conceding um, and there were also now he also started firing some high up people in the Pentagon. Yeah, I just read this and I, I, I have scaled down my American media intake in the last Good. week oh, that's super um, after absolutely binge watching away on John King, Wolf Blitzer and everyone else. <laughs> what is happening there
0: with the Pentagon? The Department of Defense contains things like the, you know, the different parts of the military, our intelligence operations, most of our intelligence operations, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there is the formal uh, sort of military process, you know, technical folks who are go through ranks and that kind of stuff in our career. And then there's a civilian oversight set of folks, Mm -hmm. the civilian oversight group, you know, so the head of the CIA, head of... um, uh you know department of homeland security stuff like that um those are those have traditionally come from civilians um, rather than the mm. military population and trump just fired a ton of them hmm. just like in in, in about a 48 just hour blashing out well that's the thing Is like i don't know it makes me anxious this is usually especially during a transition period usually we really want stability mm. especially in the sort of military side of our things the worst interpretation we'll start there and then we'll back off of that is that no, you have me scared. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we should slightly be okay. I mean, like, this is the, this is the worst interpretation. Is it an outside the realm of possibly, No. um, Trump was saying things like he wanted to enact the, you know, sedition act and like do things where the military could, uh, start to enforce powers domestically. This is mm-hmm. wow. very scary yeah. uh, and it's sort of like a, mm-hmm. inside of the American tradition it would be a major shift mm-hmm. in how we operate. One interpretation is this guy Esper was saying, no, we're not going to allow that to happen. That is a major violation. We're not mm-hmm. going to allow you to move forward with that. And that's the first person that Trump took down, um, <laughs> after the election. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. and that means that Trump is now installing people, mm-hmm. uh, who are much more loyal, mm-hmm. uh, people who don't not have as accomplished records mm. in relation to American, uh, military and force projection. So, and no network in this, in this area. Yeah, that's right. So that's a, that's probably the scariest interpretation mm. is okay. that people who were not loyal, he's now putting people in lo- who are loyal. And, and along with that is maybe there's some stuff about one of Trump's um, goals has always been to pull us completely out of the Middle East. Um, mm-hmm. and so maybe he's putting people in who will be willing to make that happen much faster before January 20th, right? Like, let's just pause. Mm. That's insane. Mm. Like the, the amount of like instability that that would cause, mm. uh, just doing the act, even under a normal timescale would mm. cause major instability. Mm.
1: And, in- and it's way too quick for like a military schedule. Exactly. That's exactly pulling right. out yeah. tens of thousands Big of people project. of places. Mm. Yep.
0: So, the, the happier interpretation, which is it's like so scary for me to say that, but like, it, he's upset. Mm. And he's just like, you know, like, several of these people didn't do exactly what he said. So he's just pulling them, and mm. there's no other actions tied to this. Mm. Um, yeah. so, which is a fair chance that that is happening, knowing him. I would say that's the most probable. Um, <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs>
1: so, the most probable <laughs> is that he didn't think it through once again. That's right. In a tantrum. So let's move away from the president race, because we've talked a lot, a lot, a lot about it yes, recently. Please. There were a couple of, other pre- couple of other races that were going on, um, Senate races. Um, and a lot of the races didn't go as planned uh, in terms of Democrats flipping seats. So they will yeah. probably not take over the Senate majority, but it's not decided yet. Right. What can you tell us about this? So
0: what is and I know Maine has played a not unsignificant role in Maine. I think it's actually we'll say one little bit more about Trump um, here, mm-hmm. which is Maine firmly rejected Trump, okay. uh, you know, went blue uh, fairly solidly and then chose a Republican senator. And so senators are picked um by the entire state it's not like you the house of Representatives you sort of chop up the states into smaller pieces mm-hmm. um based on population size but the senators are statewide elections mm-hmm. so it's interesting because that means that there's a sizable number of people here who decided that a uh trump second president you know sec- second term would be not great and the uh right like i said but they would go for a republican senator so mm-hmm. That's known as splitting the ticket mm-hmm. um it doesn't happen a lot but that's mm-hmm. a fairly uh typical action here in maine where mm-hmm. maine really likes to counterbalance a lot and there's a brand here i belief here about like independence and, and and that kind of stuff so uh of all the places this is a not untypical place to see something like that mm-hmm. but yeah people were the polling here said fairly firmly that the state was going to go for gideon who's Mm -hmm. a Democrat and been leading this the State Senate the sort of Maine State Senate for a long time um it looks like the second district the more rural part of Maine um Mm -hmm. uh, sided pretty firmly with Collins but also interesting you know mostly you know at rates that were higher than anticipate rejected Trump Mm um okay and so what that does uh is that really changes the balance we had sort of based on polling the blue states the democrats you know we had started thinking that Maine was going to go blue and that would change the balance of the senate pushing mm-hmm. putting the democrats in control mm-hmm. um the senate is very powerful in its ability mm-hmm. to stop things from happening yeah uh and right, so right now we're yeah, veto power sort of veto power over the house but more specifically the only sort of major long lasting laws or actions have to pass through the senate mm-hmm. and so if you want to have new any new regulations or if you want to have any uh change in the economy that will this is very detailed but like it that will have lasting impacts of a certain amount or over a certain duration mm-hmm. it has to go through the Senate. Mm-hmm. and right now we are very very close it's like almost like 49 48 or something like that of like confirmed senators um for the two different parties Republicans having 49 Democrats having 48 mm-hmm. and there's a couple races that haven't been fu- fully called Georgia mm-hmm. being the big cuz it's got two and Georgia is going to have runoffs yeah so they they basically yes. going to vote again or what does it mean <laughs> yes that's right early next year so that's yeah so it'll be oh i forget it's like early january it's like january 10 15 something mm-hmm. like that so right around the time that like uh will be transitioning to biden mm-hmm. as the president georgia the georgians will go back out and vote for the senate we really have been set up over and over over again to be just two parties yeah. republicans and democrats yeah. but you know in the past and, and, and that's sort of like an official thing mm-hmm. well we've always had other independent parties running mm-hmm. so there's you know if you, though you never really hear about those folks there's usually like three or four mm-hmm. um people on the Uh, on the ballot. So in Georgia, I think there was like, you know, four or five uh, for the different senators and uh, for the different Senate positions. And those pulled off enough votes. So nobody got past 50%.
1: You mentioned the two parties. And of course, we've been talking about them a lot. Uh, I was just as I was just looking up a result before. I saw Democrats have now blue D as a symbol. Uh, Republicans go with a red elephant. At least that's how Google displays it. Democrats have no animal. Is this
0: intentional? (laughs) <laughs> no we do we do we are we are the donkeys or the, oh, the donkeys the, okay. yes yeah. but apparently not for google yeah that's interesting that they didn't do that mm-hmm. I, i'm not sure why maybe <laughs> maybe you have to sort of delicately draw a donkey or something like that they, they like get a real good <laughs> it was easier to no. draw a draw a simple yeah. elephant
1: but we also got um i got asked by a by a listener because we sort of opened a thread uh, the other day uh, where you were kind of like thinking aloud and like am I a liberal or am I actually a progressive (laughs) Um, who am I it was I think the most philosophical point that we ever reached (laughs) in this show so I think we have to circle back to that before we move on to the discussion that is actually now going on in the the Democratic Party uh, about precisely this issue
0: so who are you man oh man you're gonna provoke like an existential crisis I'm gonna turn all you had like three weeks or so to think about it I know and I still have not okay (laughs)
1: Let's back up. So, what's the difference? Yeah, let's back up. What's the difference? What's the difference? Because a liberal in Germany means something completely different. Uh, it I does, think. yeah. Because a liberal a liberal in your sense, if I understand it correctly, so I, I'm, I'm going to start off here and then and, and you can oh, you can yeah. make it a bit more nuanced, the picture, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so, the way I learned it also in my American studies, liberal in America is more like a social Democrats in Europe whereas a liberal here liberal in Germany is actually written exactly the same way but it has a totally different meaning and a liberal here who's associated with the um, FDP party is usually small states don't interfere too much yeah. so apparently pretty much like polar opposites to what liberal mean has come to mean in, in America right yeah
0: like most of America, like stuff, like we take stuff and we bastardize it. Like So like to our UK listeners, I'm sorry for the way I'm pronouncing words um, and spelling words. um, <laughs> I, Yeah, so we did that with liberal too. So we have that group that you were describing there, what mm-hmm. you call liberal. Um, we refer to it as classic liberalism mm-hmm. here. Um, but we took <laughs> we took that term and distorted it to mean uh, <laughs> okay. sort of something entirely different in the uh. way that you, you just laid out. And so what it, what has come to mean here, and this is a real oversimplification, is uh, liberals tend to be safety net, what you might call like a democratic socialist in, in most other parts of the world. Um, and it also tends to be like um, a little bit of a technocratic as well. Uh, so stronger belief in the in expertise to lead government. Um, So that's like definitely been a part of what it means to be a liberal in sort of the past 10, 15 years here in the United States. Um, And part of that's because of the firm abandonment of science um, by the uh, right wing um, party. So also a bigger state generally? yeah typically a bigger state yes and also we have a real it's really hard to talk about because like things have really gotten messed up with trump right because like trump has <laughs> he has really defied just like, all the oh man he just came and here to knock that- all the pieces off the table it's just amazing so it used to be yes that um democrats were sort of maybe also about the federal government like sort of making sure that like so states like mississippi and tennessee and florida receive a lot more support from the other states so california mm-hmm. gives a lot of money to mm-hmm. tennessee and mm-hmm. massachusetts sends mm-hmm. a lot of money to florida mm-hmm. and you know locking in sort of certain rules and, and that kind of stuff. so like federalism here means across state borders and it has traditionally been the case that the republicans have wanted to be more states uh, rights and and that sort of philosophy carries through to ultimately mm-hmm. be about the individual actor and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah so and then um, progressive yeah so progressive it, there's a couple different nuances here but you know you could think of it as more so <laughs> so okay. stronger safety net um mm-hmm. faster change healthcare for all yeah healthcare for all so again i, I really want to do everybody justice here mm-hmm. but um you know it it is okay to say that progressives don't believe in a f- like the the functioning of the market so mm-hmm. a lot of times like uh, a lot of the philosophy can be traced down to the idea that, oh, it would be really nice to have market forces that would adjudicate many things, Mm -hmm. but the markets don't account for long run issues they don't count for things that are non-monetary non-quantifiable mm-hmm. like say i love my grandma and i don't want her to die it's not clear that the market's going to do a really good job of like, pricing that in <laughs> mm-hmm. which is hey that's a really good critique as far as i'm concerned <laughs> uh, so, i do in fact love grandma <laughs> so, yeah so i get the impression you're leaning progressive <laughs> Yes. So I think like the only reason I say wouldn't search ammo full bore. I know. I know. I'm so close. Oh, it's like I'm flirting with it. It's like it's a, it's a cute little set of it. ideas. No one's listening. You can just say. We're just – it's just the two of us. That's right. I think I probably am a progressive. I think Ooh! like – There we go. Oh, I'm very glad we have this off our chests now. <laughs> yes, I, um, Some of my most progressive friends are probably cringing right now because I probably – you know, like I'm a little bit too conservative for them. But yes, it's a – yeah, I think being – a professor, you almost, like, you have to, otherwise they kick you out being a professor. Like, it's almost <laughs> like they they give you a tweed jacket, they give you a smoking <laughs> pipe, and they say, go be a, go be a real super crazy progressive. <laughs> Just to say one last thing about that yeah. is, like, I am much slower uh, about, like, sort of the transitions that are mm-hmm. uh, possible. I'm a little bit more skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only reason that I would seriously say I'm probably not a progressive, or I would, you know, mm-hmm. other people wouldn't, is because when I look at the healthcare system, you know, which I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. thinking about. And mm-hmm. that's a big chunk of what I study. I, I think the turbulence that would be encountered in changing mm-hmm. that over is hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of money tied up in it mm-hmm. and, uh, are, the way our healthcare system is set up is so messed up and we should probably, we should definitely do a, an episode or two on that yeah. and how we got here. Absolutely. Um, but the, um, the transition could be re- rather startling and I'm not sure exactly how to transition mm-hmm. though. I think ultimately it has to, so. Uh, that's the sort of whiff of a difference here is Mm -hmm. like there's something about um, my Mm timescale and how how Mm -hmm. I would advocate for change. Yeah it's great
1: that you already did this dive right into the topic Um, actually the the speed of change is also something that I wanted to talk about because I actually last week um, one thing I did watch uh, coming from the US was the Netflix documentary on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez which has been which has been offered to me I think for two or three Yeah, something like two years or so um, on on Netflix. I finally sat down and watched it and really love just the story of it. Um, Yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen it, um, her parents come from Puerto Rico. She was born in New York City uh, in 1989. So a very young House of Representatives candidate. Um, And it was not even the proper election uh, in 2018. It was a primary election. democratic uh, primary election for the 14th congressional district of New York, um, Queens and the Bronx, um, which was held by the number four Democrat in the whole country, Joe Crowley. And it was just so powerful um, to see that matchup and the complacency by that guy. And yeah, you can't help but say, okay, like white middle-aged male who just takes his power absolutely for granted, yeah, doesn't even show up for the first debate because he doesn't take her seriously. Um, sends oh his yeah sends his female Latino mm. assistant.
0: Oh, that's so gross.
1: Yeah, and and AOC completely called it out, um, Ocasio-Cortez, she, she called it out, she ran a very effective um, grassroots campaign, um, he very heavily outspent her, of course, in terms of budget, she sort of you see her going door-to-door with her staff, a little bit of what Obama effectively did in 2008, 10 years later, in a more local sense, yeah.
0: um,
1: but now there's, she's in the middle of this huge discussion, actually, she just got re-elected to the House. Uh, with a big majority um, and, of course, also a very sort of democratic district uh, to begin with. Um, But so she's in the middle of a little storm, basically, now, because she is saying when Democrats say um, that us being too progressive cost us this election, and, of course, you won, but there was not the landslide that a lot of people expected, (laughs) Um, she's saying this argument is false It's actually the opposite. We have to be more progressive in a
0: lot of senses. Do you agree with that? It's okay. So I'm gonna answer that question. But I'm Mm -hmm. gonna like, say a little bit more about her. So she, um, she occupies this really interesting space. Because the Republicans kind of choose boogie men, like scary people on the other side. Mm -hmm. And they very clearly chose her. Uh, because they saw her, like, as soon as she won, they saw her as Mm. potentially being divisive inside of Mm. the Democratic Party. She's also, and we could talk about her without this Mm. feature, and I've been sort of debating whether we should mention, she's a very attractive person as Mm. well. And Mm. I think that's important because the Republicans have tried to use that Mm -hmm. Um, sort of against her, Mm -hmm. so um, she's a female. Uh, her looks, you know, like sometimes lead, Mm -hmm. and there's a number of conversations that Mm -hmm. focus on her as a, or try to paint her as a unserious candidate, too young, Mm -hmm. too attractive, too not like sort of thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, she's outstandingly thoughtful. Yeah, I I I just in rhetoric is great.
1: Like when you hear her oh, debate yeah. in this documentary as well. And I watched a couple of yeah. clips on YouTube.
0: Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So whoever chose her made a huge mistake. <laughs> like This is mm. not she is herself really impressive. Mm. But then on top of that, she has also c- consistently chose people to support her. So mm. her team surrounding her are also very mm. thoughtful and very mm. good at what they're doing. And the when she shows up to a debate, it's clear that she's been really well rehearsed and really well polished yeah. again i think she herself is is probably just you know out the gate a very strong person mm-hmm. uh, and thoughtful but then she clearly has also selected and supported mm-hmm. a team mm-hmm. so there's a bit of sexism that's getting thrown at mm-hmm. her she was chosen to be elevated and this is something we'll talk about again in a little bit mm-hmm. the republicans do a really nice job of picking the terms of the debate and mm-hmm. often will reach into the other party mm-hmm. find things that crack the other party would so crack the Democrats, um, you know, issues or rhetoric that mm-hmm. is getting used by some part of the party and then elevate that. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. It's very mm-hmm. honestly, it's actually very brilliant is mm-hmm. they set the debate mm-hmm. inside of the other party, use that language, and then run against the language. Right. So it's not yeah. like it's not like the Democrats pick this always. So, yeah.
1: So slogans like defund the police. They're actually coming from the
0: Republicans. Yeah. So to be fully, fully clear a part of the left wing will say something like to fund the police and then it the republicans will be like oh that is so good for us Mm. and they'll take that and they will make that they'll amplify it and then you know there's an element of truth like would i say something like to fund the police i probably wouldn't say that because i understand how the rhetoric would work but some of the ideas behind it i can see Mm. why someone is advocating for that Mm. and so some progressive some liberals will say oh you know like I'm now going to step up and defend mm. that tack, mm. you know that, that but if you look at it mm. um so people have done these really good studies where if you look at the rhetoric something like "to fund the police that language was only used by the right wing mm-hmm. but they were using it as if and they were using it to claim that that's what the left wing's mm. position was so um sorry I've I've distracted from AOC this is all really interesting. It's all really wrapped up. And I just love that they picked her because it was such a bad pick. <laughs> like, she, <laughs> yeah. like the Republicans should not have picked a fight with her. <laughs> she is so clearly outgunning mm. them in every single way. But now but, she's, yeah. she has actually
1: picked a fight with her own party because she went on to the right. New York Times. Um, and a right. little bit of background because we talked about labeling. Um, she um, calls herself a democratic socialist very consciously, right? And when I was reading this, I was like, okay, um, this maybe wins you Queens and the Bronx. But with (laughs) that kind of labeling, I mean, knowing also that 70 million people have voted how they have voted in the election now and like socialism is since Obama and whenever or since the 1950s or even before, Mm. (laughs) is this huge red flag um, for the red part of America. Um, So she uses it as an almost defiant label.
0: But on this yeah. ticket, she's not going to stand a chance nationally, is she? Right. Uh, you know, so I'm not convinced that she has national ambitions. Mm. I think she'll, I think she is targeted at a core set of ideas. Mm. Um, you know, what, it might, we should probably, introduce, do you know the idea of the Overton window? No. Is that? I don't know if that's international. So, Overton, I think, is a researcher, but the idea, political scientist kind of person. But the argument that was made is like sometimes Mm. in a political debate, you are anchored on a set of ideas. Mm. And then someone will come along and be like, way out in the extreme Mm -hmm. and they will advocate for a very set of crazy ideas you know what look like crazy ideas relative to what we're talking about and that will shift the conversation Uh towards them it won't get all the way there but it this Mm -hmm. is known as the overton window It's like the idea is to shift a conversation someone needs to be more someone often needs to be more extreme Mm -hmm. and that pulls them in that direction so i don't think she's an overton window kind of person i think Mm -hmm. she really believes in her ideas Mm -hmm. but i think part of what's going on there is she is going to defend these ideas coming out of new york coming out of the bronx maybe you know, maybe she has ambitions to be a senator mm. um, or something like that right. and, which is still quite doable with those sets of beliefs new york new mm. york wide mm. um maybe more complicated mm. but uh she can get out there and get these ideas heard mm. and and then that kind of stuff i think that's mm. where she's coming from mm-hmm. just going to give you one more quote here
1: um that she said to the new york times we learned that progressive policies do not hurt candidates. Every single candidate that co-sponsored Medicare for all in a swing district kept their seat. We also know that co-sponsoring the
0: Green New Deal was not a sinker. Quote end. Mm-hmm. One of her arguments that she put out there is if you look at the places where Democrats won, it was where they were advocating for these kinds of very progressive policies, mm-hmm. Me- Medicare for all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like i you know again i have a lot of respect for her and her team it's clear they know that this is not a great statistical argument like Mm -hmm. the places that these were carried were really blue blue Mm -hmm. areas like Mm -hmm. they want this is a uh common cause confounding (laughs) side Mm -hmm. of like you know epidemiology statistics the idea is the the reason those these politicians in these areas ran on that is because Mm. it was a deeply blue area Mm -hmm. and the reason that they won was because it was a deeply blue blue area it was not that the message was clearly amazing i think the i personally mike bioki thinks that that's a really good set of positions um and i do think it actually would win if expressed differently in other areas so i I think like the green new deal components of we need to switch our energy economy and big chunk of that is the economy and we're going to do all these things that help people get mm. jobs and help, you know, stimulate the economy. Mm. I think if you stripped out or changed some of the rhetoric, mm. that would be acceptable to a ton mm. of people. If you look at like the kinds of things that Trump was saying, there's a lot of like populist like get mm. money into into people's hands kind of stuff that mm. would resonate. So there's mm. a, several different conversations happening mm. here one happens on twitter and among people who really care about policy a much bigger part of the voting population doesn't give a shit about that mm. doesn't think about it and i think if Thankfully, you actually so yes yeah it would be super tedious to go to all these events but if twitter was the real world that's would be the end it would be super obnoxious yeah, yeah. i think it's interesting that AOC has decided to really brand herself as in that way, mm. it as a democratic socialist, like, because that does inhibit some of people's ability to hear her mm. outside of her sphere. Mm. And I'm not totally sure why, if she, if she had national ambitions, it's probably not a great strategy. Mm. But mm. Um, in terms of like making a coherent pitch, um, it does mm. work really well. Mm. So mm-hmm. let's circle back to wrap this up um, to the question of
1: how fast a culture and a political culture can can or should actually move. And that's something that you mentioned before and that I also have in my notes here. Um, Because when I also read about these labeling, democratic socialism, progressivism, um, is it really the time now for these kind of sort of out of the middle requests? Um, Because let's face it, the guy who just beat Donald Trump, he's not exemplifying the future. He's even older than Trump. He's a man. He's a white man. So on a very shallow sense already, he's not a symbol of progressivism. Right. Um, So and I think there's also no other way to say this, but still in the year 2020, a large part of Republicans and their voters apparently do not believe that everyone should participate equally in America. That's true. Health insurance. So Medicare for all, this is like a buzzword that absolutely takes a lot of these people completely off, <laughs> yeah. right? right? It's like Obamacare on steroids, whatever. Um, right. In Western Europe, it's like, what are you guys even discussing about? Like, we've, <laughs> no, right. we've started this decades ago. So, But I'm just trying to also put this into perspective sure. also for the international listeners, um, full voting rights is also something that apparently in some parts of the population is still debatable. Because we've talked about this gerrymandering, the voter suppression, uh, also the felony suppressions, um, the freedom not to be put in jail for years for minor offenses. Apparently, that is not taken for granted that this should count for every part of the population. Is it now the time for these kind of arguments to be made? Or would it make more sense to have a moderate shift now, first of all, get these majorities again in all the houses not only the presidency and then you can come out and actually think about a green new deal and and so forth
0: that's exactly the debates that are going on now because we landed in this most recent election in a very ambiguous middle ground and so the right wing has an element of hey we just turned out a ton of voters so the that you guys weren't even anticipating. So you don't understand us. So you should be listening to us. So there's that argument, mm-hmm. which you'll see. And uh, the New York Times is definitely going along with that to push <laughs> the frustration of other people. The progressive have you know aoc saying now's the time to change we ha- mm. we're in the middle of a pandemic we're going to have mm. a major economic economic issues potentially mm. though maybe we should even talk about this like there's been some extraordinarily exciting news about vaccines um yeah another uh, one today out. um another yeah.
1: one that was even another vaccine that's in a in a study phase yes. and even more than the 90 percent uh, from the pfizer yeah. uh,
0: compounds yeah. um now 94.5 potentially, yeah. um, working effective yeah. and, and like able to be sustained at, um, higher temperatures. So uh-huh. the fires are one with something like 90 degrees or, uh, sorry, we're gonna do this in Fahrenheit. Cause I'm an American, but 90 degrees below zero versus four degrees below zero for okay. this. You're gonna one. have to do the so, calculation in the footnotes. Well, how about I just say this? Yeah, sure. I'll say it this way is like, that's what your refrigerator, your freezer has is like, so a normal, like in mm-hmm. your, yeah um do you guys have minus 18
1: Celsius or something usually something like that that's right
0: okay um so it's much more uh useful broadly like the the Mm. you know machinery needed to deliver this is Mm. not Mm. uh, and it's also sort of maybe showing some good stuff about the most severe cases Mm -hmm. like it looks like it's really gonna do a good job of not just like preventing in some Mm -hmm. people but the people who still get it are less likely to have severe outcomes Mm -hmm. so it's just like oh my gosh (laughs) like we see and then there's another I mean I want to point out point to oxford um the team at oxford who's been doing this kind of work nonstop for decades Mm -hmm. um vaccines in lower middle income countries Mm -hmm. uh they're gonna be probably producing their results in the not too distant future and i want to point attention to them because they've been thinking a lot about being able to deploy um internationally so to give you a Mm -hmm. sense i think like the price point for this new one is something like 60, you know, 50 to $60 -hmm. US US dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and probably this is a guess, but probably the um, Oxford stuff would be more like $5 per dose or, or, or less. Um, So I just want to like, we are in a very exciting, like heck yeah, science, heck yeah. Engineering. Like we went from not knowing about the virus's existence Mm -hmm. this time last year to being able to maybe, like uh, I, I'm just like I'm super excited. I'm actually getting chills like talking about it. Is like we're now in the territory where we we're not just like maybe able to contain this virus, and deal, mm. we might be able to eradicate it like Uh we're we're talking numbers that and like through vaccinations through through vaccinations like we're Mm -hmm. we're in the territory i mean maybe i'm just like super excited because i just Mm -hmm. like saw all this stuff but like uh the numbers that we were hoping to hit would have brought the virus internationally under control the numbers that we are hitting now and these and again these are early interim as Mm -hmm. a statistic these are the early interim looks the numbers will probably change Mm -hmm. uh but given the coherence of Mm -hmm. the reports like it really looks like we're looking at very effective vaccines at this point. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so oh man I'm, I'm excited so part of the hope here of particularly progressive, is that like in the middle of these kinds of big issues so like a mm-hmm. pandemic possibly the economy you know not being able to sustain itself for much longer like that's when you can make abrupt changes mm-hmm. so Obamacare people were really worried about the shift to a new form of health insurance and like mm-hmm. marketplaces here hated it hated it hated it mm. We've, we started doing it and now people are like really angry to mm. shift away from it mm. um some of the benefits now that they've seen it mm. so it, in a real sense like a lot of what's happening here is not that they don't like the ideas it's that like they don't want to transition
1: mm. and um, it's a very emotional and, debate apparently and, oh yeah because you've mentioned the masks before and and sometimes i see it here as well especially in in, in older people i see it also i was like you should oh, definitely be someone who protects yourself um, yeah. And it's kind of also this, I don't know, this defiance, maybe that comes for some people with age is like, I've, I've been through so much and like, okay, you know, whatever. No, I've, I've <laughs> seen that. I've, I've seen yeah. it on the street and, and so forth. Um, and um, yeah, so very, very sort of emotional debate, which it shouldn't be emotional, but we've talked right. about misinformation a lot last
0: time abrupt change is possible when there's very serious stakes and like there's like a need to react mm-hmm. and i think that's what the progressive want to take advantage of right now mm-hmm. and this might be the right time to do something like that um and i think you know some of the other parties are a little bit more cautious and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um i think the progressives are going to slam into some real structural problems mm-hmm. that they don't necessarily see about how the american mm-hmm. insurance system works um so mm-hmm. we should we should like flag that and talk about mm-hmm. that later but um, mm-hmm. I think things like the yep. Green New Deal are conceivable, um, mm-hmm. given okay. the current dynamics and that kind of. Okay. But everybody right now is scrambling to own the own the narrative that mm-hmm. this this election was fairly ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I think we started off talking about Susan Collins here, the senator mm-hmm. in Maine. Like that's a that's an important one to understand. A moderate senator, so someone who tends to like mu- you know vote with the other party every so often in a way that a lot of senators don't. Uh, Susan Collins was reelected and mm-hmm. she was voted for by people who rejected her president. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and fairly sizable, we're talking, I, f- I forget the exact numbers, but like 5% clearly had to switch between voting for Trump or voting against Trump and voting for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, is, uh, mm-hmm. there is a divided sense of what the narrative should be coming out of this election. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this was the episode for today.
1: You've listened to the Americanist podcast. Do follow us on Twitter. At Americanist Pod, at Americanist Pod. Follow us on Facebook as well and tune back in next week when we will have a special Thanksgiving episode. That's exciting. That's basically the reason why you're up in Maine, right? <laughs> That's a big chunk, yeah. Thanksgiving. Mm. So, yeah, I've, I have some historical truths for you there.
0: I'm excited about that, yeah. And
1: terrified. That'll be great. Take care, enjoy Maine. Thank you. And have a great week. Bye bye.